Rusty Quill presents. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This morning, my mother called me before work. This was no great surprise, as she calls me every morning before work. She's really quite clingy. She never got over the fact that I left our little town in the southeast of England as soon as I could and went off to university as far away as possible. I wanted a bigger life. I couldn't bear to hang around any longer. The only exciting thing that ever happened in my town is the very public rumour that an exceedingly minor member of the royal family once disgraced himself in the local pizza restaurant. But there's a downside of moving away from home. It means that your mother wants to speak to you all the time. And after university, I moved really far away, to the other side of the continent. So she wants to speak to me all of all of the time. And so she calls me every morning before I start work, which is just super. This morning, I had nothing to tell her, absolutely nothing. So she started getting all worked up about a new story that's been taking the UK by storm. Turns out that about a month ago, a body washed up on the coast of Wales, on some rocks just outside of a town called Hollyhead. A teenager, apparently the Police tried to identify him, but he wasn't on any of the records. No fingerprints, no DNA, no dental records. Just a run-of-the-mill corpse. My mother muttered something about the tidal floods from Ireland washing it across the sea, but I lost the will to live. A couple of weeks later, some fishermen found another body in exactly the same place. Slightly older man, maybe in his 20s or 30s. But this is when my mother got really excited. Because the police did all the same tests, and this time there was a match. A DNA match with the teenager who'd washed up before. One in a billion, apparently. And now, yes, that's right, a few days ago they found another washed-up old corpse. This time an elderly man. Again, with identical DNA. The tabloids have been going crazy. Hollyhead started attracting all sorts of weirdos. Most people think it's just some kind of hoax. And I told my mother not to believe everything that she sees on the internet. In truth, I just didn't want to discuss it with her. No one really likes talking about their job with their parents. Especially parents who gossip too much. 
But happily, just as she was getting into her flow, my boss called me over the tannoy. He always has excellent timing. I just wish he wouldn't call me Fee. Fee is short for Fiona, and my name is not Fiona. My name is Felix, and this is Woebegone. I think I started making a new friend today. One of the clients at work has been feeling a bit down lately. Been off his food, feeling trapped, directionless, like he's not really going anywhere. Standard stuff, you know. I wanted to do something nice for him, but it's always a bit tricky here. Getting too close to our guests is always frowned upon. But I do sometimes feel sorry for them. It can get really boring. The same faces day after day. Can't be easy for them. So I asked Ty if I could try to boost his morale a bit, maybe lend him my old MP3 player, and Ty was very happy for me to do so. All he wanted was to check all of the music choices first to make sure it didn't interfere with any of his projects. I spent so long putting that playlist together, <laughs> I really wanted to cheer him up. It took a little longer than expected because I've never been particularly good with some of those tech interfaces. I mean, I, I can use a computer well enough. It's vital for some of the work we do but I just sometimes slip up a little. Nothing major, just the odd copy and paste issue in Excel when all of the formatting goes wrong and the columns aren't big enough and everything disappears and then you realise you actually hid the columns and you don't really know what freeze panes means. And what on earth does concatenate, or is it concertinate? Ugh, I don't know. What does that mean? No, sorry, MP3 players. It took a whole evening, but I filled it with some of my absolute favourite stuff and I'm really pleased with it. And the next morning, my boss looked at the track listing and said, Oh, this is just perfect. In that sort of extra self-satisfied voice of his that means he's absolutely delighted by something. I think it went pretty well. My, my, uh, my friend said that the music was fine. I think maybe he'd have liked a little more variety, but it seemed to go down pretty well in the end. And you know what? I didn't even mind when my mother called. I was actually quite excited to tell her about the kind thing I'd done. But once again, all she wanted to talk about was some rumour she'd heard from one of the morons who she speaks to online, that the police were finally going to release pictures of the bodies that washed up in Wales. Oh dear. That would not be good for my long-term employment prospects. I think I'm going to have to deal with it. It's always nice to try new things. A lot of jobs at my level don't come with perks, but we actually have a very generous travel policy. The company has its own transportation, and as long as you're signed off by a manager, you can basically jump off to wherever you want. Likewise, the lunches are really good. You can order in basically any world food you want, and it arrives in no time at all. And I was having a bit of a chat with my new friend the other day about food, and he got so enthusiastic about some curious American dish called biscuits and gravy. He said it was worth dying for a hundred times over, and I've always enjoyed that sort of sweet and savoury mixed flavours in some of those Asian cuisines, so it made perfect sense. I had to try it. I thought I'd head down to the kitchen and, you know, do it for real, see if I could rustle something up. Unfortunately, the only biscuits they had in stock were Oreos, and I'd have much preferred a jammy dodger. And they didn't have proper gravy. Just some 
beef-flavoured instant granules. But I gave it a whirl, boiled the kettle, stirred up the gravy. But how to serve it? Hmm. I didn't really know the correct biscuit versus gravy ratio, and I didn't want soggy Oreos. So dunking seemed to make most sense. And you know what? It was actually really pleasant. The sticky, salty, beefy goodness of the gravy mixed with the sweet, chocolatey delight of the biscuit and its creamy filling. What's not to like? It put me in mind of those party snacks that used to be everywhere back when I was a kid, with pineapple and cheddar cheese on a cocktail stick. I honestly had no idea that Americans had such refined palates. And when my mother called, I asked her if she remembered the pineapple and cheese on the stick things. And I wanted to tell her all about biscuits and gravy. But she was in no mood, because I had forgotten. Today is the anniversary of the day my dad died. It's curious, really. Regardless of what's going on in her life, regardless of how happy she might be the day before, the very moment midnight ticks around, she sinks into a well of despondency. She might not have thought about him in days or weeks or even months. But the date comes round, and it's fresh for her, all again. And then, 24 hours later, she'll bounce back, back to her bloody obsession with those bodies in Wales. I hadn't thought about him in quite some time. I was 16 when he died, just finished my GCSEs a couple of years from university. There was a time until very recently when I'd have given a limb just to lay in my childhood bed and hear the sound of him snoring through the wall, even for a few seconds. Ah well. I know my friend's been having a rough time with loss recently as well. I really want to help. I know. I'll make him some biscuits and gravy. Ha! That'll do the trick. I'm not sure if I mentioned it before, but my new friend is from America. And I've definitely not mentioned that he is really into cowboy movies. Now, until this week, I had only ever seen two cowboy films before. When I was six, I saw An American Tale 2, Fievel Goes West. And then a few years later, I saw Back to the Future 3. Both absolute masterpieces in their way, and clearly superior to their predecessors. And I remembered. When I shared my iPod with him, my friend was really excited to listen to all of my music. So I thought it would be nice to return the favour, and maybe try one of his westerns. I asked him about which one to watch, and he told me all his favourite films and directors, but I honestly can't remember them. So I decided to look online at the top list of the greatest 50 western movies ever made ever, and got stuck. You see, if I watched the best cowboy movie ever, the number one, all other cowboy movies would be terrible in comparison afterwards, so I can't watch that. And if I choose something too far down, say number 50, then it would probably be awful, as there can't be that many westerns anyway. So watching a rubbish one would be a complete waste of time, and then I wouldn't really have anything to talk to him about. So, top ten, but not too near the top. I settled for number eight. Rio Bravo. I looked it up and immediately got excited. You see, before he died, my dad's favourite ever singer was Dean Martin. You know, the Rat Pack guy with Sinatra. My dad told stories of being on national service with the Air Force in the 1950s and listening to Dino, as he used to call him, on the radio in his barracks. And guess what? 
Dean Martin was one of the main actors in this film. A complete stroke of luck. And I quite enjoyed it. I mean, there's some pretty cringy stuff looking back, but it wasn't too bad overall. My favourite bit was right towards the end. Our heroes know they're under the cosh, the baddies are coming for them, they're waiting, quietly, patiently in the sheriff's office, right next to the jail. They know that in an hour or two they could be killed, but they're calm. And then, from nowhere, Dean Martin, half asleep on a bed in the corner, begins a song called My Rifle, My Pony and Me. A sort of wistful song of memory, but looking forward to what may be coming round the bend, hopeful, not entirely joyful, thinking about everything they have to fight for, but everything they may also lose, and simultaneously distracting themselves from what they're about to face. Since I saw the film, I must have listened to the song 50 times since. I've probably listened to the song too many times. The song is the calm before the storm, before they face what may be the end. You see, tomorrow I have to drive to England. I have to get to my mother before the newspapers publish the photos from Wales. I can't take company transport all the way. I can't have my boss know where I'm going. I'm going to get the firm to drop me as far as Paris, and I've told them that I'm going to go to Disneyland for a day's holiday. But then I'm going to rent a car, drive across France, get a ferry to Dover, and then home. I should get to my mother just as she's making her morning cup of tea. But I have to wait. I can't go yet. Like the cowboys in Rio Bravo, I can't escape the consequences of my decisions. But first, and most importantly, a good night's sleep. So I guess, like Dino, it's time for a cowboy to dream. Good night. I really like Disneyland Paris. I mean, it's not like proper Disney, but it's still really fun Disney. And it's still got the rides and you still get to cuddle Goofy. And I, I really love Goofy. And amazingly, I told Ty that I, I, I wanted a, a day at Euro Disney. And he said, why not have two? Go and explore things. Felix. My name is Felix Ty. Go and explore Fee. Have a lovely time. So I did. Um, and it was marvellous. Today will be less marvellous. After the M25 I have to drive down the A320 to go past Six Ways Roundabout, down Woodham Lane, and then down a little side road is my mother's house. And in four minutes time, my mother is going to set out for the news agent because she believes that the very greatest news is fresh news. She likes to be the first person through the door, getting the paper, 
And then she likes to call me about it for an hour. And then complains that I haven't read the paper yet. So I've got that to look forward to. But, first, I am six minutes away from Mum's house. And she's going to leave the house in three minutes' time. So I'm going to call her and tell her I am nearby. Tell her to stick the kettle on and tell her that the news can wait. And we will have a lovely chat, I'm sure. Let's see how we go. Seven three two. Good morning. Oh, sorry. I um. I think I've got the um. The wrong number. Um. It, so, so what number did you say? Eight seven three two. Hang, hang on. Is that Fee? Fee. This is Felix. Fee. Fee, what who's are you doing? It's nearly six o'clock in the morning. Why are you calling so early? So who's that? Who, who, who's that? Be it's dad. Dad? Dad. Dad. Um. Pete, is everything okay? You sound. You don't sound yourself. <coughs> um. Um. You. Um. I. Um. I. 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 Um. I. I. I've, I've got the. I've got the day off. I'm, ne- I'm nearly home. I'm Sorry, you're nearly, you're nearly home. As in, as in this home. I, I'm nearly, I'm nearly there with, oh, there with you, Dad. Um, uh, Sorry. That, that's great, Fee. Um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put the kettle on. Uh, it'll be lovely to see you. I've not seen you for, for a while now. Um, uh, I'm glad you're coming, actually, because I was woken up about five minutes ago by this very odd chap called Ty, I believe his name Ta- was. He Ty? Said he, he said he was your boss? Yeah. Um, I was hoping that you'd be able to what? shed some light on what he said to me, but very He called very you five, minute, five, five minutes ago. He called you. He called you. That's right, yes. Uh, is everything okay? Um, 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 no, it's fine, Dad. It's fine. I um, oh, I. Uh, Fee, you, you yeah. sound very distressed. Are you? Are you okay? Are you driving? I, I'm, 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 five, I'm five minutes away, Dad. Um, is is Mum there, Dad? Fee, what no. do you mean? Mum, is, is she there? Is she with you? <sighs> For your mum's dead, you know this. I'm very worried about you. You, you really don't sound well. If, if you're driving, please be safe. Oh, please get here soon. I'll, I'll be there. I'm I'm I'm, 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 I'm five minutes away, Dad. I, I've got okay. to go. I, I, Dad, I love you. I, 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 I love I'll you see too. you be soon. Careful, okay, bye, 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 bye. What on earth have you done? 
that you think? Yes. Yes, Dad, it's me. Oh, where on earth are you? Your tea is stone cold. You told Dad, me you were so five minutes away. I'm sorry. It's been over an hour. Look, I've been incredibly worried about you. What's happening? D D Dad, Where I'm are just... you? Do you need me to come and get you? D Dad. Look, are you safe? I don't think you're safe to drive. Right, stay where you are. I'm getting in the car and I'm coming Dad, to find you. Dad, listen. I'm fine. I've pulled over. I'm just around the corner. Around the corner? Why aren't you here? Dad, I have to be extremely careful about what I say. I need to explain some things to you. Things that will sound... Well, mad. Actually, quite mad. I've had to spend quite some time trying to work out how to explain it to you. I, I've written There's some stuff down. To do with that man who called me, your boss. Yes, yes, it is. I um, it's everything to do with him. I, I've, I've made some notes. Um, I, I, Dad, please, can I just say what I need to say? I know you'll have a lot of questions, but please, can you just wait until I'm done? And then I'll answer whatever you need me to. Um, honestly, I, I, I don't think you'll believe a word of it and you'll try to get me sectioned. But please, just give me one chance to try to explain. Please, Fee, just please. Of course I'll listen. But please, are you safe? Yes, Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly fine. I'm quite confused and I've behaved horrendously at work but I'm fine all right carry on okay um here goes um, um dad I don't have an ordinary job I work in a quite specialist field time travel what what <laughs> what did you just say? In time travel. Your company, you conduct research in time travel and its various practical uses. I... I what, you, uh... Time travel? Uh, who, uh, who, who told you that? See, you did. We discussed it many, many times. Jesus, um, huh. okay. So, I guess we're in Contingency 6 territory, are we? Contingency 6? I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Huh. Definitely Contingency 6, by the sounds of things. Look, when you first started working at your organisation, you set out various scenarios that might occur, things that might go wrong, and the steps you'd like me to take if any of them occurred. Contingency 1 was for a situation where I could remember you, but nobody else could. Contingency 2 was for if two of you turned up at once. Contingency 3... Dad, 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 what's, what's Contingency 6? It's where you turn up asking for your mother. It's happened before, but this is a particularly extreme case. Um, I, I, um, 
okay, what what um what did you say to Ty? Did did did, did you tell him that you know any of this? That I told you any of this? Of course not. I wasn't sure exactly what was going on an hour ago, and you had me very worried. But I'm not stupid. Um. Okay. Um. How much have I told you? Beyond the rough outline of your work, not very much. You explained that things sometimes go wrong. You explained timelines Time. and how to solve problems. T timelines? That's that's not something that I um. What did I say? Well, you didn't tell me exactly how things work, but you gave me a sort of analogy for it. <laughs> you were at great pains to explain that it doesn't strictly work this way. Great pains. But in effect, you asked me to imagine a tree diagram. For every decision we make, the tree branches into two or three or a hundred, depending on the complexity of the decision. As on every branch, there is a helix and a knee and a post office, and you get the idea. Every branch is a copy of its neighbor, but with a very slight difference. Similar decisions lead to very similar branches, but significant variety leads to wildly different outcomes. You said that sometimes people get, uh, well, lost. They end up on the wrong branch, and sometimes they replace their copy on the new branch. Sometimes there are two versions on the same branch, one who is in the right place and one who really is not. Wow. And so I can only assume that you are lost. Horribly lost, by the sound of things. I'm so sorry, my darling. I, uh... Yes, that's um, that's about the sum of it. Um, you know, I just I just can't believe how close you are to your Felix. How much he's told you. That means your Felix is probably still asleep somewhere back in his bunk at work, or um, <laughs> maybe he's gone to Euro Disney. <laughs> Euro Disney. Um. No. Uh, no. Um, no, 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 no. Um, listen, Dad. Um, Dad, this is important. Uh, the news uh, last few weeks. How many strange bodies have washed up in Wales? Has um, anyone said anything to you about it? Um, I'm afraid you've lost me again. No strange bodies, identical twins, triplets washing up weeks apart just outside of Hollyhead? No, nothing of the sort. Well, thank heavens for that. Um... It's been causing Mum a great deal of excitement. Mum? So oh. Mum is alive on your branch? Uh, yes, she's alive. Oh, see, that's wonderful news. How are we getting on over there? Do you have any photos? I have to see them when you get here. She's, um... We're, uh... We're fine. It's it's not always easy. Felix. Uh, yes. How long have I been dead? Since I was fifteen. Ah. 
It's um, it's been a long time, Dad. I um. It's not suited Mum to be a widow. <laughs> no, I can't imagine it has. She, come home. We can talk about this properly on the sofa. But I'll stick the kettle back on, please. Um. Um. All, all right. Um. I um. I'm only just parked round the corner. I um. I'm thirty seconds away. All right. I'll see you shortly, Steve. All right. I'll, um, I'll see you in a minute, Dad. Bye-bye. <sighs> I can't believe that his fears told him all of this. I mean, is this what I'm like when I'm happy, when I've got my dad? Am I a complete bloody moron? Oh, his tie is going to kill him. My tie's going to kill me. How much does he know? Uh, his dad's. Um, oh. Oh, look who's here. Ah, Fee, good morning. Uh, your father has a lovely home. Uh, I wonder, can I join you both inside for a quick uh, tete-a-tete? It's been quite a week. I knew that I would have to speak to Ty about all of this, eventually, but I honestly was not expecting to find him sitting outside of my mum's house, or my dad's house, or whoever's house it was when I arrived there early that morning. Yes, I was trying to cover up a huge mistake, yes, I had lied to the whole team about going to Euro Disney, but I thought it would buy me some time. Oh, fee, 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 fee. (sighs) Uh, can I check? Can you hear me? Hello, Ty. Hello? Am I coming through loud and clear? Hi, I can hear you. Ah, excellent. Uh, sorry I'm a little late. How far have we got? Are we on to Euro Disney already? Was it fun? Ty, please. Everything you could possibly want, all please. the magic in the universe, Ty. or at least the Euroverse. Really? Ah, very well, very well. I'll wait a moment before my grand reveal. I can hold on. Thank you. I wasn't expecting to see Ty at what I guess I have to call my dad's house. Oh, I really can't wait. This is delicious. Felix is terrible at spreadsheets. Truly terrible. Excel, sheets, numbers. I even got him a copy of Lotus 123 from 1984, and he still absolutely butchered it, even in VGA. Abysmal. Poor chap. He tries his best, but he has no idea what he's doing at all, and it caused a massive anomaly, and I had to fix it, and then give him a little treat, and now he's behaving as if he's all traumatised right. by having to... Ty, I'm cutting your feed now. I'll let you back in later if you can behave. He means well. And he's right, of course. I did make a quite unforgivable series of errors. I think it's perfectly clear by now that I have not always found it easy to be my mother's son. It was different with my dad. We were easy in each other's company. I could never remember a time when he wasn't my best friend, my idol, the centre of my universe. Long car trips would seem to last minutes as he'd just chat to me the whole time, explaining some new thing he'd read recently, some idea, some concept. We dominated the house. We rolled our eyes whenever my mother sought to join in with our little world. 
We were truly awful to her. But she seemed happy enough back then. She had her two boys to love and protect. She almost encouraged it. She loved my father, and I think she loved the idea that I was growing and developing and turning into him. Of course, she wasn't always so needy. She took his death terribly badly, and I was the last thing she had to cling on to. Suddenly, every time I wanted to leave the house, she needed to know exactly where I was going, who with, why I was going, how I was getting there, what time I'd be back. Not the usual protectiveness of a parent of a teenager. Something stronger. A desperate fear and a need to control, a need to know everything. Our relationship had never been strong. That was my fault. I was obsessed with my dad. Every parent says they don't have a favourite child. I have no idea whether or not that's true, but I can assure you that every single child has a favourite parent. My mother knew that my dad was the chosen one. Of course she did. By the time I was 16 or 17 and only a couple of years away from leaving for university, she was all that I had left. But we'd never started developing anything other than the most perfunctory mother-son relationship. She tried her best, and I pulled away. Very, very far away. To university, the other side of the country, and then to a job, the other side of the continent. I threw myself into our work. The only distractions were the daily phone calls with my mother, and I grew resentful of her and pitied her. It sounds awful to say it out loud, but at one point at work I began to see our visitors, real people, as something akin to cattle. I could watch people die dozens of times a day in the name of our research, and I became quite immune to their suffering. But something was scratching away at my core. Every morning I'd speak to my mother and hear the desperation in her voice, hear the hope that today we would really connect about something, the hope that she would, a couple of days later, start to get as close to me as my father once had. But in time I began to appreciate that, apart from my psychopathic boss, she was the only real human connection I had left. And so I found myself becoming particularly attached to one of our guests. I saw the experiments of separation, consolidation. I saw three different versions of him at different stages of his life. I wanted to understand what it felt like for him to have different versions of himself running around. To understand how it might feel to have such different experiences and then amalgamate them all back into one mind. My plan was this. I needed three new Felixes. Three Felixes who could experience the life that I never had the chance to lead. First, a Felix who had both of his parents. Second, a Felix whose father survived and whose mother died. And third, a control, a carbon copy of me whose father died and who I could test out alongside the others and assess for any unexpected changes. A canary. I guess. And what a remarkable trio they made. Ah, oh, don't worry, Fee. Uh, everything's under control. Have you explained what a kind and loving man I am yet? Fee? Oh, ah, yes, I've muted you. Uh, well, never mind. So, as far as I can piece together from the device logs and my own conversations with the relevant parties, Fee's plans started off swimmingly. I was completely unaware at the time. He made his little copies and sent them off into the ether and intended to check on them from time to time to see how they were getting on. 
But then a few things started happening at once. First, he became incredibly jealous of the Felix who grew up with both parents. Secondly, he couldn't bear to witness, once again, the grief of the Felix who lost his father. Thirdly, he couldn't bring himself even to look at the Felix who was happily growing up with his father. And lastly, he was worried about me, weren't you, Fee? Fee? Oh, yes. you uh, found your <clears> way <throat> back in. Well done. Yes, Ty, our jobs are not simple. On an average day, we have to keep a dozen contradictory ideas in our minds all at once, all of which are provably incorrect when compared against the others, and yet all of which are completely undeniably true. I can't begin to explain the power that our technology can have over a person. It makes you feel like a god. Ah, yes, it does create a certain frisson, doesn't it? Although I can't say that it has ever caused me to seek to clone and then murder myself on multiple occasions. The tech allows you to lose sight of the fact that, at your core, you're still a terrified teenager grieving for his daddy. I knew Ty would discover what I'd been up to eventually, so I decided to cut my losses. The exercise had to end. The clones had to go. Creating so many little pocket timelines was dangerous. There was too much to keep track of. I thought I planned it perfectly. Yellow section are always very accommodating. If someone appears in their waiting room unannounced, they know it's time to get out the bolt gun and... The metaphorical bolt gun, I think you mean? I like to think we're a little more sophisticated than that. They know it's time to get out the metaphorical bolt gun and then send them off to the metaphorical wood chipper. I have actually seen Yellow use a non-metaphorical wood chipper on occasion. He gets terribly bored of the furnace. <laughs> And the lie. <laughs> and the acid. <laughs> okay. I didn't want to be cruel to the Felixes. They deserved as full a life as possible. I hated the Felix who grew up with both parents. He was so remarkably well-adjusted, so happy. The prick. But I couldn't prematurely terminate the enjoyment of the only happy version of me in existence anywhere. So I let him live to old age. The carbon copy, whose dad died young, was far easier. I remembered too well the pain that he had to go through, so he could be removed straight away as a teenager. The motherless Felix was trickier. He was happy with his father, but still not complete. But I thought I'd let him have until his father died of natural causes some years later, so he'd get to live till middle age. And so, I arranged to transport each of those Felixes from the appropriate point in their lives straight to yellow, a couple of weeks apart. I thought I'd planned it really well. Yellow would become suspicious if three different Felixes turned up all at once in the same instant. So I was careful. Were you? Were you really? Oh, go on, Felix, tell them. Tell them all how brilliant you are with spreadsheets and how marvellously you planned. When we have to perform a particularly complex set of manoeuvres with the technology, our standard practice is to input it all into a spreadsheet and then save it as a CBS file. A CSV file. Okay, a, a CSV file. And then input that into the programme and then just press go and it performs everything all at once. It means we can spend an awful lot of time planning each step of the process, inputting extraction points, dates, times, one by one. Account for movement, acceleration, everything. And then work out where everything is going and not worry about the execution. 
just the planning. And I came very, very close to getting it all right. But in a way, it, it really was Ty's fault that I got it wrong. That is an outrageous slander, Fee. How exactly was it my fault? Well, remember that special all ties on deck weekend away on the yacht off the coast of the Seychelles? Yes. You may remember that you asked me to arrange transport. It wasn't strictly approved, and you asked me to do it off-book. A whole spreadsheet of transporting lots of ties, all to the same time and place for your little jolly. It played havoc with my Felix spreadsheet. To cut a long story short, when I eventually finalised the Felix operation, I may have reused the tie boat party spreadsheet, forgot to replace the destination location, and then maybe reversed some columns. So instead of minus 454 for the Seychelles, it became 54 minus 4, a point in the middle of the Irish Sea, slap bang in the middle of the sea current to Holyhead. Now, as Felix is perfectly aware, we have several delightful women called Samantha who carry out all sorts of media monitoring for us. Given the nature of our work, strange occurrences, coincidences, accidents can be an early warning sign that someone unauthorised has got hold of the tech. Can't be too careful, especially these days. The Hollyhead triplets were all over the news in the UK. Of course we noticed it. Within minutes of the second corpse, I knew exactly what had happened, how it had happened, and who was responsible. But I didn't know why exactly Felix had decided to go on some sort of auto-rampage. I thought it might have been fun to see how it played out. I very much enjoyed your visit to Disneyland Paris. I'm not entirely convinced that you needed to go on It's a Small World 11 times, though. It's a magical world where everyone is friendly, Ty. I'm afraid I can't see the attraction, but not to worry. Anyway, it wasn't our Disneyland Paris, was it? Because when you transported me to France, you sent me into another timeline where my mother was dead. I thought you might be happier. You've always seemed so frustrated at your mother. We both know that wasn't the reason. You wanted to teach me a lesson. Never to mess around with the tech again. Never to use it for my own purposes. Only ever to follow the plan. And you were right. And I'm sorry. But I... But? But, Ty, you didn't have to make me choose. You didn't have to do that to me. You turned up at my father's home, unannounced. It was the first time I'd seen him in decades. I knew you'd done something, but God knows what, and you sat there and you made me choose in front of him. You told my father everything you knew. You told my father everything I had done, every mistake I had made. Do you have any idea of the shame that made me feel? That I was sitting there while you explained my inability over decades to deal with his death? That it had led me to murder three people? That it had led to the eradication of my mother? He never said it, Ty, but I could see it in his eyes. Do you have any idea how disappointed he was in me? Can you imagine how that felt to finally see him, the man I have missed? And to look at him and only feel shame? I think it may be the most awful thing you've ever done. There was no other way, Fee. I'm sorry, but it's true. 
What would have happened if you had got to your mother? How would you have redeemed this situation? What would you have done? Oh, don't buy a paper, Mum. Why not? Uh, I don't know. I... I would have been fine. It's true I had choices to make, but they would have been my choices. Instead, you gave me your choices. And what lovely choices they were. One, amalgamate with your father's Felix, live a life with both sets of happy, happy memories. Two, have me undo everything back to the point where you set off for France, never remember that you met your father. Or three, just come back to work, leave your father to his Felix and carry on dealing with your mother. And I must remind you that you still have not made your choice. It's been the best part of two weeks now, and your poor father must be quite worried, wondering if and how he might suddenly pop out of existence. The, the, the problem with your oh-so-special choices, tie is that none of them actually deal with the bodies in Wales. Nothing you've done sorts any of that out. The whole country's still in hysteria about this insane mystery. Are they? Do you really think I would let that happen? That I would risk our little project coming under any scrutiny? Oh, Fee, surely it must have been obvious to you by now that the bodies were the very first thing I resolved. The... the, what? I let you stew on it for a little while, but as I sent you to France, I simultaneously moved all of the bodies in your original transfer. I didn't want to interfere too much. As we speak, there are three corpses decomposing on my yacht in the Indian Ocean, and I shall hold you responsible for cleaning it in due course. But check the papers. The Hollyhead triplets never existed. So, so, so what was this? Or some kind of... Um... Honestly, a bit of a prank. Fee, you know I care for you very, very dearly, but you really shouldn't have messed around with things the way you did. You are the last person on earth that I would wish to punish, and I can't do without you around here. So I had to find some way of regaining your concentration without destroying you completely. But I do need you now to make a choice. Which Felix do you want to be? I I, I want to be me. I want to be Felix. We both know that's meaningless, Felix. I know we disagree on this philosophically, but you know what I believe. I am this Felix because of the experiences I have had as this Felix. Another very similar Felix will not and cannot be me. Only I can be me. It's true that the last two months have been absolute hell, but they have been my hell, so I'm stuck with them. I can't choose to be anyone else. That would be impossible. Another Felix might have a very different taste in music, or or perhaps not have discovered the recipe for English biscuits and gravy. That was perhaps even more moronic than your adventures in space and time. Bourbons and Bisto, I ask you. You have no idea. They were delicious. But I might not have made the decisions about our cowboy friend. I'm me because I'm me, as trite as that sounds. And I cocked up and I tried to fix it and I failed and I met my dad and I suffered his disappointment and I tried to fix it and I failed and I couldn't. And then you fixed it and in your own entirely warped way, I, I think you tried to help. And you may be one of the most terrible men on earth. And you have caused me untold, unnecessary suffering in recent days for your own amusement. I know. It's been a pleasure. But the sum of all that is me. Felix. Fee. Your friend. So, um, shall we just crack on? <laughs>